Welcome to the Naturally Nourished Podcast that delivers cutting-edge food as medicine solutions for optimal health. Allie Miller is a nutrition expert sought up by the media and America's top medical institutes for her revolutionary functional medicine interventions. From disease treatment to prevention, every episode will empower you with ways to put yourself back in control of your health. Please note, the topics discussed are for educational purposes only. Now welcome, Integrative Dietitians Allie Miller and her co-host Becky Yu. Welcome to episode 133 of the Naturally Nourished podcast. Today we are bringing you a super fun episode and maybe at times emotional episode with guest Drew Manning, who is best known for gaining and then losing 75 pounds on purpose. So he learned a lot of lessons in his journey of intentional weight gain and then purposeful weight loss. And he's going to talk about how he uses this experience to help others in their health and fitness journeys. But before we jump into today's show, we want to share some upcoming events and especially exciting events that's happening this week if you're listening to this live with the release on Monday. Yes. So on Thursday night, you guys, if you are in the Austin area or really anywhere in Texas, Shoot, Texas, we have people coming in from Kansas city, girl. Well, Hey, look at us. Uh, <laughs> or if you'll be in any way for paleo effects this weekend, um, we are having an event called food is medicine at the farm. It's at a local farm called Eden East, and it is going to be absolutely spectacular. Yeah, I, I can't say any more than pure magic, honestly, is what comes to mind. I think that of all of the events that I've thrown, this is by far going to be the coolest. I get like goosebumps just thinking about the synergy of community players involved. We have Be Delightful with CBD Honey that is going to be involved. We have uh, a bunch of beautiful women helping with the flavor station, like Jess from Harper and Soul and Kara from uh, Texas Hill Country Olive Oil. We will have a station called the Anatomy of the Garden, where we're going to teach you the botany and flow of choosing your roots, choosing your stems, choosing your seeds and fruits. We are going to have a bone brothery station that is uh, sponsored by Bonafide Provisions and be doing two different fun recipes, a miso healthy and a cool it down anti-inflammatory blended broth. We are going to have an apothecary with our friends from Further Food. We're going to be doing a tincture or actually an herbal syrup where we're going to use um, some honey from rescued bees. And we're going to be making an herbal syrup, a decoction with uh, adaptogens and then one um, with anti-inflammatories. And finally, we will have a fermentation station that is sponsored by the Naturally Nourished Supplement line. We're going to be talking about dysbiosis. Uh, we have Ryan from F-Stop Farm that's going to be teaching you the art of fermentation and doing tastings there. And we're hoping to get a local kombucha sponsor on hand as well or partner that'll be teaching us about troubleshooting your SCOBY and at-home ferments. And what else am I missing, Becky? I'm sure some other well, things. there's wine and music. So those are two <laughs> things for me. We'll have a bluegrass band and wine from Dry Farms. Wine available for participants. Yes. All for we'll the there, of so. $30. <laughs> yes. And Stella will be bopping with bubbles to bluegrass. So not drinking bubbles. She'll be playing with bubbles, <laughs> <laughs> to be clear. Um, yeah, so all for this deal of $30. Um, super grateful for our sponsors. Again, Redmond Real Salt um, is going to be involved both with donating the salt that is uh, going to be used in the fermentation station, as well as pretty much all of the stations because salt is the chemical bridge of flavors. Um, so they're a great sponsor for the event. We have, like I said, further food. And we have um, Bonafide Provisions and then a bunch of local community partners all sharing their art. And this is really to express the story of food as medicine. So I want you guys to really be engaged, interactive. No one will be selling their products. So you don't have to be worried about making eye contact and feeling guilted into purchasing something. It's just about diving deep into how food can heal your body. I'll be doing a little mini welcome lecture and then it's gonna be experiential, fun times, community vibes, and just awesome energy. So if you can't make it, fear not. Um, Becky's husband, Byron, is gonna be gathering some footage and we'll probably put it up on our YouTube channel and I I'm thinking we'll make a really fun documentary out of the process highlighting some of our favorite players in the food is medicine 
experience. Yes, so come on out. That's again this Thursday, the 25th from 6 to 8.30 p.m. I will link in the show notes to our tickets. And yeah, if you're listening and you're driving, it's just AllieMillerRD.com backslash events. And that's where you'll check it out. All right. So I think before we go into other event stuff and deter, we have so much beef in this episode. <laughs> and I say beef because also when Drew joined us, he's like shirtless with his tattoos. <laughs> I call him the keto bro. <laughs> he's, a, he's a gentle soul. Um, he, it, it was really actually cool getting to know him. Um, I first met Drew at KetoCon last year when he lectured and I had no idea about his story. So it was really moving to me. And, and I think that Becky and I talk a lot about plateaus and, you know, mastering your keto and functional medicine approaches, but we very rarely dip into the emotional elements and, you know, really what the weight loss process is all about. So, so let's read his uh, bio, Becky, and bring him on, a, on it. Awesome. So Drew is a health and fitness expert. He's a New York Times bestselling author of Fit to Fat to Fit, The Unexpected Lessons from Gaining and Losing 75 Pounds on Purpose. And he has for years been a leading voice in the burgeoning keto diet movement. Drew's also the creator of the A&E show, Fat, Fit to Fat to Fit. It's a hard one to say. Say 10 um, times fast. <laughs> yeah, right. And the host of the Fit to Fat to Fit Experience podcast. With over a million social media followers, Drew continues to transform people's lives all around the world. Known for his straightforward and empathetic fitness and health coaching, Drew has been featured on The Dr. Oz Show, CNN, Good Morning America, The Tonight Show, The View, MSNBC, and other media outlets. He lives in Salt Lake City, Utah with his daughters, who remind him every day not to take things too seriously. And his new book, Complete Keto, is available now. All right. So, hey, Drew, welcome to the Naturally Nourished Podcast. Allie, thank you so much for having me. I appreciate it. Yeah, it's my pleasure. I know that I, I can't believe what kind of rock I was living under, but <laughs> I didn't know of your story until I heard you lecture at KetoCon last year. And um, it was just super inspirational. And then we did a fun, I think it was a Facebook Live on your page a couple months back. That was a fun conversation. So it's cool to have you on here and share your story with my listeners. Yeah, thank you so much. And don't worry about living under a rock. There's a lot of people who haven't heard of it <laughs> out there speaking and, you know, doing uh, book signings and, and things like that. So um, I appreciate you having me on your, your podcast, though. Oh, it's my pleasure. And, you know, so we often don't talk. We actually last uh, episode talked about uh, getting back on track after a cheat day, which I actually am a huge, uh, I hate the word cheat because I think it creates this relationship of like falling off. You know, the higher the cliff you put yourself on of perfection, the, the more dynamic the drop. Um, but we don't always talk about the emotional roles of weight gain and weight loss. And so I think your story of intentional weight gain and this process is so intriguing to me and may really resonate with a lot of listeners. So let's just open with your fit to fat to fit experience and, and kind of what that was all about. Yeah, so this idea came to me in 2011. I, I was uh, a part-time personal trainer at the time, training clients. I grew up in a family of 11 brothers and sisters, and I grew up playing sports, football, wrestling, and I was always in shape, right? I've never once struggled with my weight. And then in 2009, I became a personal trainer, and here I was, someone who had never been overweight, <laughs> trying to help people who grew up most of their lives overweight, you know? And there was an obvious disconnect between them and me. And I used to see things very black and white, you know, here's your meal plans, here's your workouts, you put down the junk food, you go to the gym, boom, it's not that hard, you just do it, right? <laughs> just do it, right. <laughs> yeah, why is it so hard? Um, and then, you know, they would tell me, you know, Drew, you don't understand, you know, for you, it's easy, it's always been easy. And for me, it's hard. And so, for whatever reason, I took that to heart. And um, I thought, was thinking of ideas, okay, maybe there's something I need to learn as the trainer, um, which I don't think everyone as a trainer or coach, someone's educated, takes the time to do to say, okay, maybe there's something I need to learn, right? And so I did, and I, for whatever reason, I was thinking of ideas, and this idea <laughs> of getting fat on purpose entered my mind for some reason, and it clicked. It was like a light bulb moment, and I'm like, okay, but this feels like something I'm going to do, almost like a calling. 
And so I decided to embark on this journey, right? I documented the whole thing. I started a website, a YouTube channel. And the idea in a nutshell was for six months, I couldn't exercise and I would eat an unrestricted diet, but mostly focusing on the foods that my clients couldn't give up, right? Most of the time, they don't just go out and eat fast food three times a day, you know? For them, it's, you know, all these highly processed foods that are convenient, that taste really good, and they're cheap and affordable, right? Those are the types of foods that 90% of America is, is addicted to because we've set it up that way in our system so that though that's kind of like our default mode. Breakfast, you know, cereal for breakfast, you know, a white bread, white pasta for, for, you know, for lunch or dinner. There's some type of grain. You know, remember the food pyramids, seven to 11 servings of grains. Those are the types of foods that I, I enjoyed during this journey. And I, I say enjoy because cinnamon toast crunch tastes really, really good. <laughs> but knowing it's really bad for me, that's how I piled on 75 pounds in six months. But wow. it was one of the most humble things I've ever done. One of the hardest things I've ever done. And I was so wrong about how I was trying to help people that I'm glad I went through that humbling process. So I'm curious to know, obviously you were working out a lot prior to this weight gain and then stopped yourself from working out and started consuming some of those highly processed foods. What was your diet like prior and what was that transition like both mentally, emotionally, and physiologically? Were you coming from keto? Were you coming from paleo? Were you coming from you know, X, Y, Z diet. And, and how did that transition feel in your body? That's a good question. So back in 2011, keto wasn't really mainstream yet. And so I would say it was more of a, I call it a paleo-ish diet where I would eat six small meals a day, every three hours. Classic I, personal I, trainer diet. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> right. <There we> go. <laughs> Little yeah. containers of food, right? <laughs> exactly. Lean, lean protein, lots of, like, lots of veggies. Um, but would have grains every now and then and would have protein shakes, you know, throughout the day as well. Uh, so it was more of like a high protein, moderate carb, low fat type of diet. And it worked for me, right? As far as, you know, um, your body composition, I looked great on the outside. But then as I transitioned into this fit to fat phase, um, eating, you know, cereal for breakfast and lots of, you know, processed carbohydrates and refined sugars all day long, um, the mental and emotional part was, you know, at first it was fun. I'll admit it was kind of fun to like, you know, have this, this false sense of freedom in the beginning where I'm like, I'm free to choose whatever I want. I can go and get soda and, and uh, cereal and, and uh, chips, cookies and crackers and, you know, hot pockets and top ramen and SpaghettiOs and all these frozen foods that, you know, are, are so abundant here in America. And uh, there was a part that was kind of fun until about, I would say a month in, I started snoring. Uh, which affected my sleep, which affected my mood, my energy levels throughout the day, my hormones. Um, and then, you know, I noticed walking up and down the stairs, I was huffing and puffing, yeah. um, bending over to shoes to clip or clip my toenails. I've, I had to hold my breath because of all that visceral fat that was starting to build up. And, you know, I gained, I think, 21 pounds in the first month. Um, but that, that was expected. The, the, the physical change I knew was going to happen. What I wasn't expecting was the mental and emotional side of this. So, I felt super self-conscious, just even 20 pounds in. And people oh, would wow. tell me, like, you look, you look normal. Like, you look like a normal guy now instead of <laughs> this red-headed dude. And, but I was freaking out. I would want to go up to strangers and tell them, hey, I'm not really overweight, you guys. This is just an experiment. Dude, here's a picture. Go to this website. I promise I'm not normally like this. And uh, because you have to understand, my identity was based on what my body looked like my whole life. Yeah. And once I lost that, I didn't know who I was. I kind of freaked out. And that's why, you know, I was super self-conscious, low self-esteem, no confidence. My, I was married at the time and I would cover up in front of my wife, you know, stepping out of the shower. I didn't want her to see me naked. I didn't want to see myself naked. It was really hard mentally, emotionally to, to see myself this way, even though I was doing it on purpose. So did you have to, in that process, because I'm thinking on the the opposing experience, right, of someone who defines themselves as an overweight person, right, or defines themselves as quote unquote fat, which I don't like to use that term, but let's say, you know, did you find a state in the process where you were able to, or like, was there like a mantra or something you were able to say to yourself to, to like find self-love or to get over that hurdle? Or did you feel like did you have self-doubt of like, this is crazy, I should quit, I should quit every day or kind of what, what got you through that? Or did you know because there was a light at the end of the tunnel that it would, it would end soon? What was kind of the process within that? 
that self-love. Yeah, yeah, that came later on in the journey. I had to learn that, um, you know, towards the end of my journey of losing the weight, that I am more than my body. And the, I love that. Thing, the unfortunate thing is people who grew up their entire life overweight, it's the same thing. They identify themselves as what their body looks like. And that's why a lot of people who lose the weight gain it back because their mindset hasn't shifted. The perception of themselves hasn't shifted. And they still think that of themselves as that being that overweight person. And that's kind of like their default mode of their mind until they learn to change their mindset and their perception of themselves that they are not their body, that we do not need to define ourselves by what our body looks like. And so for me, it took me going through this experience to realize that I am more than my body. And so even though I did get back to fit, the interesting thing was that I was a different man on the inside. My heart had changed. My perception of, of how to help people transform had changed. Instead of focusing on the physical aspects of weight loss, like meal plans and workouts and calories and macros and looking skinny and getting six pack, it's more so people need help on the mental and emotional side, right? Um, accountability support system, the emotional connection to food was way more powerful than I ever expected. And those were some eye-opening moments. So hopefully that answers your question as far as that goes. Yeah. And I have a question as far as with the cinnamon toast crunch. Well, not specific to that food. <laughs> <laughs> Becky and I delightfully call those types of foods, chemical shit storms and not food just to say. <laughs> so, um, you know, we're always like all food fits. Uh, you know, you adjust your food choice based on your metabolic goals, you know? So like I look at keto, not as a yes, no food list. It's like, well, how, how fat adapted are you? What's your metabolic flexibility? Yeah, you might be able to have an eighth cup sweet potato and that still might be keto for Joe, but it might not be for Tammy or whatever, right? But when we're eating processed products and maybe not even food, did you have other like, um, what about like a, a food addiction when you pulled those things out or um, on a other physiological? So beyond the shortness of breath, what was the experience like of either having them? Like, did you have any GI changes? And then were there any other biomarkers that you were monitoring? Yeah, great question. I'll answer all that. I did have a doctor monitor me throughout this experience just to make sure I wasn't going to die. And I did some blood work <laughs> on Dr. Oz. He did some blood work on me as well. Um, but yeah, the, the biggest change was the change in psychology with his food. So, um, you know, my outlet, my release used to be exercise, right? That was kind yeah. of, like and I couldn't do that for six months. So food became my therapy and it created this vicious cycle of eating the food, which like I said, tastes really, really good. Some of it, not all of it, but a lot of it tastes really, really good. And I would feel good as I'm eating it. But then 30 minutes, 60 minutes later, I'm feeling awful. I'm feeling just overly stuffed, um, you, get these, you get these huge spikes of, of blood sugar levels followed by a huge crash, which creates this vicious cycle of wanting that food again. And, um, and so food became my therapy in a sense. And I think that's how it works for a lot of people that don't have some type of you know, healthier outlet, right? Like exercise, for example. Food becomes that therapy where they want it, they need it, it makes them feel good for a second, but makes them feel awful. And then when they you know, go through that, you know, the cycle of the spike followed by the crash, they want that, their body wants that spike again. So it really is almost like a drug. And then for me, getting off of that food was really interesting. So after eating this way only for six months, right? Imagine someone eating this way for six years or, or six decades, yeah. and now they're trying to change their body, they have a long ways to go. It really is just like a drug addict trying to get off of you know, a drug. And so for me, after just six months, the first two weeks eating healthy, even though I was eating whole foods and was eating healthy food, the food did not taste nearly as good as I remember. It did, my body, my taste buds had changed. And those first two weeks were hell. Mentally, emotionally, um, I was grumpy. I was moody. I had headaches. I was starving all the time. And here I was, a proponent of health, saying, hey, guys, you're supposed to eat these foods. It makes you feel good. And here I was feeling crappy during the first two weeks as I was going through these uh, these withdrawal symptoms. And I've never experienced that before. But for me, it clicked. And I remembered, this is what my clients would experience when I try and give them a meal plan. Like, hey, just follow this. Put down the junk food. Put down the soda. It's not that hard. You just do it. And for me, experiencing this, even though it was only for six months, really opened up my eyes to just how powerful that emotional connection to food really is. And so that's why I, I you know, have a lot more empathy for people that struggle with food addiction, having been through this process. And like I said, it, it's not like I know exactly what people go through, but at least I have a better understanding versus who I was before. 
I want to hear more about biomarkers and health issues in a second, but let's talk a little bit about how this helped you understand your clients better and how you started relating to them, you know, once the experiment was over. Yeah. So at the end of it, you know, like I said, I used to focus so much on the physical aspects of weight loss. Like if someone was struggling, I'd be like, all right, let's change up your macros, change up your calories, change up your workouts. That's probably what you're struggling with. So, um, you know, that's what I'm going to focus on because that's all I know how to help you is on the physical side. But now having been through this and being more empathetic towards people and having more respect and a better understanding of what they go through with food addiction, I try and help them with their mental and emotional challenges, right? So um, creating some type of accountability or support system for them, um, really digging deep and finding, helping them find out why there's this emotional connection to food. What is it about food that makes them feel safe or maybe um, you know, uh, pushing down some type of deep emotional trauma that happened as a, a, a child. There's so many different, oh, yeah. um, uh, what's the word I'm looking for, uh, beginnings to this for people, mm -hmm. right? I wish it was just like, hey, take this magic pill and you'll be over this food addiction. But for some people, it's food. Some people, it's sex, porn, drugs, alcohol. It manifests itself in different ways. So I try and help that person dig deep. And, you know, I'm not a psychologist or a therapist. They definitely need that as well. But I think as a trainer, health coach, understanding that there's this emotional connection to food isn't just, you can't just say, hey, stop eating that food, right? So spending the time with them, helping them overcome those mental and emotional challenges, uh, creating a system that uh, makes them accountable to someone, you or, or, or someone like a close friend or family member, and a support system where they feel safe to share their struggles, their successes, their failures, all of it, so that they feel like someone is on their side that has empathy for them and, and let, reminds them that they're worth it to keep fighting, even though they're not perfect, but also kicking the butt every once in a while, right? That's what the support system is going to do is a balance to those things. Yeah, I like that. The accountability and call out can be just as, as empowering as the high five mm -hmm. and the hug, I think for sure. <laughs> so getting into some of the biomarkers, Let's talk about that. So you said uh, doc, you did an appearance on Dr. Oz during your peak of weight gain, but had done some preliminary labs or give, give us kind of the backstory there. Yeah. And I wish I had the labs in front of me to kind of go over the specifics. But I, I remember within the first couple of months, pretty much all my blood markers were in the red, uh, glucose, triglycerides, HDL, LDL, the basic stuff, right? I didn't do anything mm -hmm. too fancy. I did some Hormone testing towards the end, uh, which was really interesting. The one that stands out was my testosterone dropped significantly to the low 200s. Okay. <laughs> uh, which is really low for a 31 year old male. Um, and then my blood pressure was 167 over 113 at its wow. highest, I believe. Um, and then Dr. Oz did some testing on my liver and kidneys. Um, yeah. And I can't remember the name of the test, but, um, you know, I, I developed an, a non-alcoholic fatty liver. Yeah, I think your AL, ALT went up, I think I remember from your presentation. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So, um, yeah. So, yeah, you remember. So it was really scary how quickly your body can change. Um, and I, I had been, you know, healthy and fit pretty much my whole life for 31 years. And then now in just six months of letting myself go, it's scary how quickly your body can change if you don't take care of it, right? So, um, and luckily on the other side, my body was still pretty resilient to heal that and heal itself and repair itself during the next six months. So luckily, you know, my markers are a lot better, but, um, yeah, I definitely am glad that I had, you know, a doctor monitoring me cause it can get really scary really quickly. Um, if you're not monitoring this type of stuff. Oh yeah. And with such a dynamic, I would assume it, it might even actually be more influential, you know, having that like light switch effect of a change. And did it take only six months to get all the markers back? Or did you experience some metabolic resistance initially? Like, did it take six months to lose the weight, but you still had some trickle impact on hormones and whatnot, and it took a full year to get back on track fully? Or how do you feel that transition of, of the loss impacted your body and health? Actually, this is the really interesting thing. So the first 30 days back to fit, um, I actually skipped exercise and just switched my diet, right? So going- Oh. Mm. Yeah, just switching from 5,000 calories of processed food to 2,000 calories of real whole food. And like I said, it was more of a paleo-ish approach. It was more, you know, uh, it was still like the, the lean meats and the vegetables, uh, kind of a lower fat approach. But even still, that worked really good as far as reversing a lot of things. So within that first month, I think I lost 19 pounds. But on top of that, my testosterone more than doubled, right, with no exercise. So it went up wow. to 
450, I think, after that, those first 30 days. Um, and then my HDL, LDL, and triglycerides were all in the you know normal range, I guess you can say. Um, so it was really interesting how quickly my body um, you know repaired itself after those six months of, of doing damage to it. Um, and then the next five months, things just continued to improve. To you know, even though you're in the normal range, doesn't always mean that you're like, okay, you're safe, you can relax now. There's yeah. definitely some you know, there's definitely some improvement to be made on all levels. So it definitely continued to improve over the, over the next five months. Awesome. And before we go on to kind of application and how you've brought this in with your clients now, um, and some maybe, um, tips for weight loss from someone who's done it, I want to have a quick pause for a word from our sponsor from this episode, CrowdCow. Yes, today's show is, crowd, is proudly sponsored by CrowdCow, who delivers the very best craft meat from farm to your table. You guys know that Becky and I have been talking about CrowdCow, and if you follow my Instagram stories, you will often see me preparing varied cuts of artisanal meat that are grass-fed, grass-finished. And one of my favorite things about shopping with CrowdCow is that I get to actually learn the story of the farmer or the producer that provides the product to me. So it's a really good connection to the whole circle of your food chain and staying with that intimate relationship, which we know that then that typically is going to be not only the best quality, but the best flavor and integrity. Yes, and I love that you can pick the exact cuts that you want and have it delivered straight to your door on your schedule so it doesn't show up, you know, when you're not expecting it or you're on vacation. Um, it's not a subscription service, so it really is a curated experience where you can choose from very high quality craft beef as well as other meats. They've got chicken and pork right now, too. And lamb as well. And lamb. Yeah. Oh. <laughs> All of the things. And um, one of my favorite things, this is sounding silly maybe, but their ground beef is life-changing. I can't tell you. They have a dry-aged, grass-fed, grass-finished ground beef, and it is phenomenal. The flavor profile, the mouthfeel, the fact that the meat juices don't leak all over your refrigerator is very welcomed, <laughs> and uh, quality is just really where it's at. So you guys have to go over to crowdcow.com backslash naturally nourished, you will get $25 off and free shipping in your first order. And this is really the best way that you know that your meat is ethically sourced because CrowdCow believes in full transparency. Like I said, you're going to get to purchase high quality beef in a sustainable way that can be time consuming and expensive, but this is a really fantastic way to bring from farm to table to your door quality and product that will taste amazing and the entire family and household will love it. So go to crowdcow.com naturally nourished as the backslash and save $25 off your first order and get free shipping. Okay. So I want to hear, um, Drew, about your kind of best non-diet and non-exercise tips for weight loss success. So what are your tips for clients who are looking to lose weight and there's more of this mental, emotional piece to it. Yeah, I would say, you know, the two biggest things, like I mentioned before, are accountability and support system. And those are essential no matter who you are, even if you think you have a lot of willpower and, you know, you're, you're strong minded and you can stay disciplined. I think you need some type of accountability or support system. And so now social media is a great tool to, to use for this, to find sure. that accountability and a support system. So whether you hire a coach that, that lives, you know, in your area that trains you one-on-one or someone that can do that virtually, and you know, there's you know these private Facebook groups um, that you can join to be a part of a community that creates a safe space um, for for you to share in your journey. But on top of that, I honestly I really think it comes down to our perception of what health and fitness needs to look like, right? Um, I think that's what needs to change. Our perception is right now is like you know I need to lose weight because that's you know what society tells me to do. And, um, you know, I need to be skinny. I need to look a certain way so that I'll love myself so that other people will love me and accept me. And I think if we change our perception of, of what it needs to look like based on social media and movies and TV and celebrities and just realize that, you know, you, your version of healthy is going to look different on your body than my version of healthy. And that's okay. You don't have to look like this Instagram model. You don't need to starve yourself or, you know, uh, beat yourself up in the gym and, you know, try and kill yourself to look a certain way. 
it, when in reality you're chasing, you know, validation from other people so that you can finally be happy. You, we think if we're skinny one day, we'll be happy then, or if I lose 10 pounds, then I'll be happy. But you know, you can choose to be happy now where you're at while you're working on a better version of yourself. And so what I try and tell people is change your perception of health and fitness. And instead of focusing on the results and defining yourself by the results you get, focus on the process and the healthy habits that you know you need to live and then let the results take care of itself over time instead of defining yourself by that number on the scale, which is just your relationship with gravity or how skinny you are. There's so many other markers that can be used that are way more efficient and more telling of you moving in the right direction than your, your scale weight, right? And so for me, it would be change, helping people change their perception of what health and fitness needs to look like on your body. I love that. And I love how you mentioned, you know, really, you can love yourself while you want to change yourself. And I think, like you said, if you get out of the metric world of a number on the scale or a size or things like that, and you love yourself because you want to honor it and you want to nourish it and feel good in your body, that that can really create more of this sustainable change. And um, I often will tell clients that, you know, your body is like your family. <laughs> There's going to be certain members or parts that you love more than the other, but you have to love it in its, in its entity, right? You know, like you might, you might dislike your thighs, you might dislike your core, you might whatever, but you can change your relationship with those things just like you can a family member. And ultimately it's, it's what you have. And so it's this vessel of, of soul. And, and I think that that's a big piece of the puzzle is understanding that that void, if you don't fill it, is not going to change based on how that, that vessel changes. That void needs to be filled in a, in a greater kind of grand scheme picture. Um, and, and, and otherwise, like you said, it's just going to be another addictive tendency that takes the place of food if you just use that as a, as a black and white on and off type approach. Yeah, 100%. And just remember, you know, you have so much more to offer this world than what your body looks like. I think we just get so wrapped up into this culture and societal pressure to to be a certain way. And, you know, just realize that, you know, no one at the end of the day, no one's going to be like, oh, man, that person had really good body composition. And that's what <laughs> I want to be for. Like, I don't want to be known for that. I want to hopefully leave a legacy behind. But the problem is that our society does define us by our, you know, how much fat we hold. And it's up to you to decide whether or not you take that personally and, and, you know, change it for them. Or if you, you know, just do you and find the best version of yourself, whatever that may look like on the outside, it doesn't mean you, you don't eat healthy, you don't exercise. It means that you still work on your physical health. But like you said, you know, loving yourself at the same time, you know, while you continue to improve. Yeah. I love that. I think that's, Awesome. Awesome. Um, where did keto fit into this whole approach, Drew? So did you start kind of delving into keto during the weight loss process or that was more paleo and, and keto came later? Yeah, good question. I actually wish I knew more about keto at the time I did this because I would be curious to know how it would have changed things for me. Um, but, you know, like I said, body composition wise, I did get back to a low body fat percentage and looked great on the outside. But, uh, you know, keto came about four years ago after listening to Dr. Dominic D'Agostino on the Tim Ferriss podcast. And I was blown away at all the scientific research that had been done on this diet. And I was fascinated that this guy, Dr. Dom, who he did a 10 day fast and somehow was able to deadlift 585 pounds after 10 days of no food. I'm like, how is that? How is that possible? So I was super intrigued by the science behind it. And here I am, a self-experimenter on my body, obviously. So I decided to give keto an, a, a try. And I fell in love with it. And here's the thing. My body composition didn't change. I didn't lose fat. I wasn't lose, trying to lose weight. For me, the thing that sold me on keto was the improvement in mental clarity and cognitive function. That, for me, was like night and day. I felt like Bradley Cooper from that movie, Limitless, where he takes that clear pill and <laughs> just on fire and he can like, you know, do all these amazing things. I felt like my brain had this, this huge shift and it was like night and day compared to before. I wasn't um, as hungry or hangry as often. I could go all day eating once or twice a day and feeling optimal. My brain was better. My digestion was better. My performance in the gym was just as good because um, I was doing more of a CrossFit style workout. And I was worried about, you know, not, not having enough fuel, but, you know, I was able to do those types of glycolytic workouts, which was awesome. And then, you know, from there, you know, things happened and I got to go on the Dr. Ash show again 
Um, actually, and this was at the time Dr. Axe was on as well. We actually, we met each other on Dr. Oz and this was before he got huge. Um, and then from there kind of created my own brand in the keto space. And then here we are today with my second book called complete keto, which just launched, um, uh, a couple months ago. Awesome. And we're going to definitely get into your book and, and some of the elements that make it unique for sure as a resource for our listeners. But before we go into that, let's talk before we get deeper into diet, because we have a question we ask all of our guests, but I, I want to pick your brain a little bit and be selfish um, with recommendations on exercise, because otherwise we can't pull exercise back into this. So you mentioned like glyco glycolytic activity, um, and I know that that's often a misperception, right, of when you reduce your carbs, you're going to lose your glycogen storage, and that that's going to create this muscle fatigue. Um, maybe instead of going into the biochem of that, we won't, we won't nerd out that hard, let's just talk about recommended like for a non-exerciser let's say that they got diet rocking and they're looking to pick up some movements or some forms of exercise what would be some of like entry points and um then how do you feel as far as like targeting particular areas like best movements for core which i know is a lot of people's focus point yeah i would honestly start out and i did this with my fit to fit to fit journey when i started like i said i skipped exercise the first 30 days but I always start out with bodyweight exercises in the beginning. People think that you need to just go and lift heavy in the beginning, but lifting resistance training doesn't have to be heavy deadlifts and squats and bench press. You can maybe build up to that one day, but start with just your body weight, right? Your own gravity. That's a great weight set right there. <laughs> you know, yeah. you can do almost anything your body needs with just your, your, your relationship with gravity using your body, right, as that weight. Um, so I tell people all the time, like, if you can get the diet down first, you'll be so much more successful uh, in the long run if, uh, versus, uh, versus if you switch that around. If you had exercise down, but the diet's kind of, you know, in and out and not, you know, all the way consistent, um, you'll see so much more results if you get the nutrition part consistently down. But I would just start with, with some type of bodyweight exercises. So things like push-ups, pull-ups, squats, but you could always modify those if you're just a beginner. And then I tell people, let's, let's say you haven't worked out in years, right? Or decades, right? And you're just getting started. Just walking is going to be a great uh, starting point for your body just to get up and moving your body. And walking is a great, you know, first, first place to get started. But from there you can build with some bodyweight exercises. And then what I, tr I like to, to mix in is more of a Tabata style, which is a kind of hit high intensity interval training. It's, but it's 20 seconds on 10 seconds off of a certain exercise, right? So that could be walking, could be jogging, could be sprinting. It could be push-ups, It could be squats, sit-ups, whatever you want it to be. 20 seconds of hardcore work followed by 10 seconds of rest. Repeat that uh, for a total of four minutes, which is, isn't long, but trust me, <laughs> try it with just push-ups or something like that. Yeah. You'll, you'll feel fatigued. And that's a great place to get started to, you know, help build some lean muscle mass while burning fat. I love that. I did a little Tabata abs last night and I am feeling it. <laughs> um, but yeah, Allie and I talk a lot on here. Obviously, we are not personal trainers for dietitians. So, you know, we don't talk a lot about specific exercise tips, but we do talk a lot about some of like the common mistakes we see people making or, um, you know, going from zero to trying to run a marathon would be like one of those mistakes. But what are some tips that you have, Drew, um, for like common exercise mistakes or um, things that you see people doing that just make you cringe? <laughs> yeah. And this is where social media can be a good thing or a bad thing. Right. <laughs> it can use a, be a positive influence, you know, or a negative influence. And so sometimes I see people who want to look a certain way. And so they follow that person and they would, they you know download their program buy their program of their workout but the problem with with just buying and I have workouts as well so I'm not saying you know hey don't do this but what I'm saying is just they just dive right into it without any kind of um, you know education or uh, supervision of some type so if you're not familiar with certain movements just trying to watch it on YouTube and then just trying to experiment yourself like for example with powerlifting or Olympic lifts, like this is the problem with that CrossFit has as well as people just come in with no experience. And then they see their, the coach do it a couple of times. And like, all right, I think I got it. I'm going to do this weight. because I don't want, I don't want this girl to do more weight than me. So I got to do more weight than her. And so you kind of, your ego gets in the way of, of, of wanting to, to look a certain way or, um, uh, do the types of things you see other people doing on social media. So I definitely wouldn't start there. Just start with the basics of what you know, and then build up 
Um, and then I, I am a huge proponent of hiring a, a trainer, a coach, someone that can watch your form as you do it if you want to save yourself from possibly getting injured. For sure. And how about as far as let's go into before we talk about your book. Oh, oh, actually, I have a question on exercise and supplements. So are there any um, essential, because there's a lot of controversy with like branch chain amino acids and whether those can interfere with keto and need of electrolytes and whatnot. Are there anything that you use as like a turnkey tool as a, like an exercise personal trainer approach for sports performance or um, particular nutrient of focus that you're like, oh, this always kind of caps people up or, or helps to accelerate outcomes? Yeah, hundred percent. So I haven't noticed a whole lot with BCAs, you know, branched chain amino acids. Some of them can knock you out of ketosis, but it's very bio individual. It just depends on the person, their lifestyle. If they have a lot of lean muscle mass and they are very active versus someone that's sedentary, I don't really notice a huge difference taking them. But okay. what I do notice, the things that do make the biggest difference is salt. Uh, taking salt about 20 minutes before you, you know you have a tough workout. Obviously, you know, I, I don't add it to my water, but I'll just take it a half teaspoon in my hand and just lick it and then chug a bunch of water afterwards. And that right there opens up the blood vessels, increases blood flow, reduces lactic acid. So if I have a tough like CrossFit type of workout, I'll take a half teaspoon of salt and 20 minutes before I go and do it, I'll, I'll, I'll just lick that and chug a bunch of water and boom, it's like, it's, it's, an, it's, that's right there is a game changer for anyone that for sports performance or that has a tougher workout like CrossFit or maybe jujitsu, something that's more glycolytic. And then the other thing, and this isn't something that's necessary, but I've noticed a huge difference for myself and, and clients is taking exogenous ketones um, before a tough workout as well. So like, for example, I did a triathlon, which I'm not a triathlete at all, uh, mm -hmm. but I trained for one and exogenous ketones made a huge difference in my training, um, taking them versus not taking them, uh, being fat adapted, and, but also having this extra source of, of energy you know, from a supplement. But like I said, it's not 100% necessary. I know people that do it without it. But for me, I know it's a big difference taking that as well. But it's, um, it's not something I do every day. But, um, you know, if I, if I have a harder workout, I'll take that as well. As a boost. Yeah, that makes sense. And okay, so let's get into, uh, before we go into your book, we like to ask this question of everyone being dietitians. We call it a 24-hour recall. It, it's also a muscle test. I mean, a memory test, excuse me. <laughs> um, so yesterday, what you had to eat, Drew, from morning to bed, just so people can kind of get a snapshot of a day in, in your diet. Okay, so let me just kind of preface this because I'm, I'm doing a little experiment that I haven't announced on social media just yet. So uh, <laughs> I had Dr. Will Cole. Have you had him on? Yeah. Well, no, we haven't had him on, but I've, I know of him and we've met. Yes. Yeah, <laughs> so anyways, yeah. Yeah. So he, yeah, his book is called Ketotarian. Uh, he came on my podcast and we, we talked a little bit about the carnivore thing as a, as a reset, as a temporary thing to like a total elimination diet where you just get rid of everything except for meat. And um, the idea is to kind of reset your body and your microbiome and find out what types of, as you add foods back in, what types of things are causing problems. Um, and there's a right way and wrong way to do carnivore. And there's, you know, a lot of unknowns as well. So I just was doing like a one week, two week experiment with it. So let me just tell you what I ate yesterday. I ate uh, organ meats, liver, chopped up with uh, some grass fed beef and then sardines. And I had that same thing for lunch and dinner. Very boring. I'm sorry. <laughs> Not sexy at all. But like that was it yesterday. But typically I add a ton of veggies and avocado to almost any meat that I eat. And I do eat organ meats like liver consistently and things like sardines as well. So that was my day yesterday. And so how much meat, like to, to get enough calories to, to fuel all of your muscle mass, was it like a pound twice that you ate or as far as like the ground beef with organ yeah. blend? Yeah, it was probably a little over a pound. I would say a pound and a quarter each meal. Okay. Because um, I'm, I'm cutting calories slightly. Just, okay. just I've been kind of uh, with the book tour and traveling, I've just been kind of a, bit, a little bit more relaxed. So Sure. I <laughs> get it. And then like a can of sardines that you split or you did a can each? I can't eat. Okay. Wow. All right. 
for me, that's that's a calorie deficit. So. Right, right, right. Yeah, yeah. Poor Becky, poor us and our little muscle mass. <laughs> right, I know. But I love, Drew, that you're incorporating organs and things like sardines that are super nutrient dense and adding that um, diversity of nutrients because I think there's a big misconception in the keto world of, oh, just eat you know, three pounds of ribeye and it's like, you're missing out on so much. Yeah. That's why I talked to Dr. Bill Cole about it before I even, you know, decided to do it of the right way and wrong way to do it. So, um, yeah, it's a little experiment. I'm still going on with it, but I'll keep you guys posted. Cool. And so now let's talk about a little bit more diversity in foods and your book, Complete Keto. Uh, so that came out early this year. Uh, tell us just, let, let's talk to listeners a little bit about the inspiration behind it and you know some of the elements that make it unique compared to other keto books on the market. Yeah, great question. So what I wanted to do with Complete Keto is obviously I've been doing keto for a long time and I have some digital programs out there, but I wanted to provide a tool for people um, to help them with not just their physical transformation, but their mental and emotional transformation. So over the years, I've taken all the things I've learned from fit to fit to fit on the mental and emotional side of, of weight loss and transformation, but then also the, the things I've dived into with personal development. So just be totally honest and open. I went through a, a tough divorce about um, you know four and a half years ago, and that was really hard on me, but I dove into this world of personal development and, you know, um, uh, Brene Brown's work, uh, all of her books changed my life, yeah. life coach, and it just gave me a different insight on my perception of, you know, of transformation. And so I wanted a book to help people with the complete transformation. So yes, it is a keto book. It does have the keto science, keto 101, a 30 day keto program with over 75 recipes. There's a section for vegetarians. There's a section for vegans as well, uh, with week long meal plans as, and recipes for them. Uh, but on top of that, on top of the physical things that you have in the book, I wanted to help people more so on the mental, emotional, spiritual side even, because at the end of the day, if people transform their bodies, they think, okay, you know, once I do that, then I'll be happy. And it's kind of like people that chase after money thinking if I have riches, then I'll be happy. But that's not the case. You you don't have to wait until one day to be happy. And that's kind of what I wanted to bring into complete keto. And that's what makes it different is the mental emotional side of transformation with a ketogenic approach for a complete transformation. And that's what the book is in a nutshell. I love that. So you can accelerate your outcomes and maybe make the weight loss process more enjoyable by doing keto because you have that, like you said, satiety and mental clarity, but that why you're doing it has to be resolved probably in a different way. And, and that comes down to the emotional and more spiritual fill element. And I think that's so important. Yeah. So, so what I did in the, in the 30 day program, which is called CK 30 is, you know, you do have a checklist of things to do like meal plans and recipes and workouts for the day. But on top of that, there's other things that I've implemented that have helped me. Uh, for example, meditation, positive affirmations, a gratitude list, every single day on your daily checklist so that as you're transforming your body, you're also transforming your mind for a more complete, you know, fulfilling transformation instead of like, Hey, here's how to get a sexy body for the summer. I get why people want to do that. But at the same time, it's not something that's going to be lasting or fulfilling in the long run. If that's all you're focused on is like, I just want to get skinny and, and get abs. You have to realize that there's more to life than that. And so that's why I included these important tools and hacks that have really helped me and a lot of other people with a complete fulfilling transformation. Sure. And I think that keeps this work sustainable and keeps the weight loss for, you know, people who read your book sustainable um, is really transforming on that mental emotional space as well. And even if, you know, you gain five pounds or whatever, you kind of have the tools to go back to, um, to reset mentally and emotionally. I love that. Exactly. Well, thank you. Yeah. And that's what makes the book totally different than any other keto book. You could really just take the book, take out the keto part, apply it to any other life. <laughs> you want. Sure. You know, yeah. if you're yeah. not keto, be whatever you can, you know, it, the same principles apply to living a healthy lifestyle, whether it's keto or not. 
Awesome. Well, we can't wait to get our hands on a copy and we'll also be doing a giveaway with a copy of your book or two uh, when this episode airs. So you guys stay tuned on that and definitely go over to our Instagram this week at Allie Millardi and we'll be having the promo giveaway copy in there. Um, before we let you go, Drew, I just want to give you opportunity for any closing thoughts and also if you can share your favorite recipe in the book. <laughs> Let's make people's mouth water yeah. just for a moment. <laughs> Yeah, that's a, a great question. Um, there's, like I said, over 75 recipes. I would say, ah, this is hard because I'm such, I feel like a, 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 what I call a keto bro. Um, I love <laughs> the bacon bison burger is just amazing. Um, and all the recipes in there are dairy-free, just FYI. So oh, it's cool. not with a ton of cheese or cream cheese. All the recipes are dairy-free in there. Uh, but the bacon bison burger is probably my favorite. But then there's some... Um, I think uh, these lemon coconut pancakes, so Ooh. good. Dairy-free as well, keto, but um, it's a tough one between those two. <laughs> those, those both made my mouth water, so we're good. Yeah. <laughs> check, check. <laughs> Sounds I'll, awesome. Uh, I'll send you guys a copy of the book as well. I thought for some reason maybe my assistant was going to send it, but I apologize. I dropped the ball there. No no worries, man. Yep. We'll, we'll be We'll take it when we get it. Yeah. <laughs> Um, and then what was the other question? Oh, I just said, if, yeah, any, any, any closing thoughts you have that you want to share with listeners? Anything no, we haven't asked you? I just appreciate you guys letting me come on. And like I said, my whole brand is about uh, empathy, respect, and a better understanding of helping people on the mental emotional side of transformation. So I really wanted to drive that part home. I know we've talked about it a lot on this podcast, but at the end of the day, that's what it comes down to. Um, you know, whether you know, you're doing some type of keto diet or vegan or vegetarian, it doesn't really matter to me as long as you are experimenting, finding what's optimal for you and, and, you know, focusing on a, a complete transformation. And so, um, so I just want to say thank you guys for letting me come on and talk about that instead of just, you know, I do appreciate the science and the physical side of transformation. People still want that it's still a big piece of the puzzle, but it's not the only piece. I, I totally agree. I couldn't agree more. And it was our pleasure to have you on. And I have to tell listeners, you know, Drew walks the line of keto bro. Like when we started this interview, he was shirt, he was shirtless, right? So tribal tattoo shirtless keto bro talking to us. But I mean, it's, it's so empowering to hear the empathy and the, the human connection and the element of like we've been saying, you know, the why vulnerability, filling that void emotionally and spiritually. And um, I can't thank you enough for coming on and sharing your story because I think listeners will really resonate with it. Well, thank you. I appreciate that. And feel free to reach out to me on social media anytime you guys, um, uh, if you guys want to. Uh, I'll, I'll try and keep you guys entertained. <laughs> <laughs> Sounds good. Sounds good. <laughs> thank you for listening to the Naturally Nourished podcast. Visit our blog at AllieMillerRD.com for recipes, wellness tips, and food as medicine meal plans. Connect with Allie and Becky at AllieMillerRD on Instagram, Twitter, and Facebook. Until next time, stay nourished and be well. <laughs>